Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's word and truth. The man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up For The Truth. Mike LeMay. Viewing the news of the day through the only reliable lens, and that would be the Word of God. Good morning, Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo, and we welcome each and every one of you to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. A lot to get to today after David opens us in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us another day to serve you, to love you, and trust you. And I pray that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as you promised to lead us and guide us into all truth. And, uh, Father, use us in every interaction we have today, whether that be in person, online, on the phone. God, help us glorify you in everything we say. May our speech be seasoned so that we know how to respond to each person. And, God, give us the boldness and yet sensitivity to rely on you um, for convicting people's hearts and changing them, God. We are just your messengers, and we're honored and privileged to be able to stand on the truth of your word and to do your work. We love you. And we thank you for saving us. We give you this hour and this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Tomorrow evening, the De Pere, Wisconsin City Council will consider passing legislation that could have chilling effects and legal ramifications for Christian churches, businesses, and ministries. The proposed legislation is as broad as any proposed anywhere regarding protecting gender-confused individuals in housing, employment, and services provided. A lot of you have been commenting and asking about exactly what is in this proposed statute. We have discussed it with Wisconsin Family Council and Alliance Defending Freedom, and both are warning it could have very chilling effects on churches and Christian business owners who desire to glorify God and stand in his word. The proposed bill allows only a very limited religious exemption regarding housing, but does little to nothing to protect Christian organizations in employment or choosing what services to provide to self-identified transgenders. Well, a little later, we're going to share some excerpts from the proposed legislation and help you get beyond the public bluster and emotion so you can assess this content and intent of the bill. A little later also, we're going to cover the very tragic murder of 26 Christians in Texas, murdered while they attended church. But first, we visit with Bill Adams of Sports Fans, Outreach International, and we discuss their efforts uh, to share the gospel at local and national sporting events. Bill, it's great to have you on Stand Up For The Truth. Mike, Dave, good to be with you guys. Thanks for your time this morning. Bill, tell us about the organization. How was it first formed and, and what inspired it? Uh, you know, uh, Mike, long story short, I, I've, uh, I've been to evangelize at big sporting events. And one of those is the Super Bowl. And so the Super Bowl in Houston, I think it was 2004, I was basically there by myself and maybe one or, uh, one or two other people. And I was standing on the, the main, what they call the main line, the main street down there in downtown Houston. And if you've ever been in these environments and never seen it, there's literally about 50, 100,000 people going down the street. They were going to a concert. And I was just like a pebble in the ocean. And, you know, of course, I was out there uh, preaching and so forth. And I just said, i gotta, I got to have some help here, you know, one of those divine moments when you say something profound, the Lord inspires you. And so that was really the beginning of me seeking to uh, organize uh, outreaches, shall we say, to major sporting events. And so it's, it's certainly developed from there. 
and there's many goals, but that's how it started. Bill, what what kind of preparation goes into events like this, like especially sharing the gospel at the Super Bowl? What kind of, obviously a lot of prayer, but uh, what else that we might not be aware of? Well, you know, that's a great question, Dave. What what happens is um, in, in a big sporting event, you have um, just a lot of people milling around. So in downtown Minneapolis, and they do this in every city, uh, they call it Nicolette Mall. They're going to close off streets, and they're going to put on events. It'll draw in 50, 100,000 fans or more on Friday and Saturday mm. and before the game on Sunday. And because the stadium is in downtown Minneapolis, it'll, it's just going to be all three days filled with people. So you're surrounded by people. So the benefit of being there is the, the opportunities to uh, witness are basically right in front of you. And so the skills that need to be developed are simple because we're dealing in a real fundamental cross-centered uh, opportunity. So passing out a track going up and having a conversation or what we emphasize a lot is open air preaching. So we well those are the skills you need and the training really it's kind of a the Lord sort of works out how the training works. So there's two ways it unfolds. One is typically people who come to the Super Bowl have some level of experience. And so the Super Bowl is just another level of that experience. And so they've got some training. So they come to the Super Bowl and each person who attends is on a team and that team leader uh, trains the team informally, sort of on-the-job training mm. of what. So the goal, the real challenge, is to get people in front of the fan, and then the training can happen right in that moment if you follow me. And then the team leader is the primary source of training uh, for someone who goes. Bill, several. Answer? I'm sorry, Bill. Several ways people can share the gospel. Some use the Romans Road approach. Some use the Hellfire and Brimstone approach. Some use more of a conversational approach. Is there a uh, a method your organization generally equips Christians to use? Uh, again, another good question. Well, the message we want people to hear is Jesus saves. Basically, of course, you would say, "Well, no kidding, Bill." But what that means is we want to. Uh, as Paul says in Galatians, set Jesus Christ crucified before the people. So that, when it comes to hellfire or other avenues, that we're not really trying to emphasize that. We're trying to emphasize who Jesus Christ is and calling people to repent and believe in him. And you don't always get that in evangelistic work, as you gentlemen probably know. So that's the main goal. The method, again, as I said, is we, we're just trying to get that message across so we uh, distribute tracks with the gospel message on it. Uh, we Some guys really enjoy going, just going up to a stranger and opening up a conversation with the intent to get to Jesus. Then we do uh, open-air preaching. The preaching, there's multiple reasons for that. The two primary, one, primary ones are, one is that when you're around 50,000 people, you want them to hear what you're saying. And there's a lot of noise out there. So the, the preaching just really uh, says, hey, I'm here, I've got something to tell you in the midst of people selling you know, beer and T-shirts and everything else. And the other reason is preaching. Uh, preaching announces and proclaims and establishes God's kingdom where we're standing, and it sets all the uh, conversations, all the spiritual responses in motion. So if you imagine uh, ten people sort of on a corner, working a corner of an intersection, the preacher's preaching, then that whole process unfolds as the preaching starts. And so people begin to turn, and they'll take the track with the understanding that guy's preaching about Christ or God, and they'll take it, and the conversations open up with a divine opening. You see my point, and so that's and so in the midst of all the chaos, that's how we get it going, and how we how we are perceived to be. Well, those men are Christians, and they're talking about Jesus. 
We're speaking with Bill Adams of Sports Fans Outreach International. And, uh, Bill, this year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl you mentioned in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the city uh, has become very progressive and uh, an extremely growing and increasing Muslim population, including government leaders of the city. Do you anticipate more uh, resistance or opposition because of that than usual? Uh, a good question again. Uh, no, not necessarily. One, <clears throat> um, we we do uh, a couple things to get ready for that. One is that uh, we pray a lot. We have a weekly, we basically have three weekly prayer times. One is the group, one me and the team leaders together, and then me and the team leaders individually. And we're always telling everyone, asking, encouraging to pray for the civil magistrate. You know, we know what the Bible says about that. And we want them to be our allies and not our adversaries. We're we're not coming in with a chip on our shoulder or anything else. We're seeing them completely biblically. And so that really sets our temperament towards the authority, towards the other people. And I think, you know, the Lord calls us to that and he honors that, even in an environment like Minneapolis. And uh, the other thing that you don't always see is we were there this summer. We had a team leaders retreat up there during Labor Day weekend. We happened to evangelize at a Vikings game and then at some Twins games. And, you know, you, when you bypass the um, humanity that we hear about and get into someone being created in the image of God, you never know how they will respond to the gospel. And so we get very, uh, we can often get very unexpected, favorable treatment by the authorities and by the people. Mm. Bill, the Super Bowl, uh, you know, most people look at it as uh, four hours in a Sunday afternoon, but there's at least a week to two weeks activities leading up to that. If someone right now said, you know, Bill, I want to be involved in this, uh, are they going to show up the night before the game? Do you have them come up a week before the game? And is there evangelism going on outside of just the tailgate parties before the Super Bowl itself? Um, I, what what we do, we have a three-and-a-half-day uh, organized outreach, and people who participate with us have to participate in the entire time, and there's reasons for that. Uh, what we do is we concentrate on the weekend of the Super Bowl and so we are out uh, ministering Thursday, Friday, and before and at the game on Sunday. And you're right, there are activities that go on at least 10 days, two weeks ahead of time, and the official estimates are that a million people uh, will be in the Super Bowl host city just that, that period of time. And there could be, they, they're not having the ice palace anymore, but there could be even more people coming out uh, to St. Paul. We could see the biggest crowd potentially ever we've had of fans in the host city before the Super Bowl. But so, but we have to organize and isolate some days to do our ministry work for a lot of practical reasons and for the benefit of those who join us. So you have to commit to the three and a half days, and it is the Super Bowl weekend. Your organization also provides the opportunity for high-level teachers to teach and train evangelists. Tell us about that process. Well, we, we do invite... Uh, we we. Not that any of this is new to Christianity, of course, but we've emphasized three things. Fellowship, that's one reason we all stay together, the same place for the, for the whole length of time. Teaching, and then ministry. So this is teaching. We, we as evangelists, acknowledge there are people who are called by God to teach the Word, right? And so we are acknowledging that uh, that concept. We're also trying to tap into the body at large. We're not nomads out there on our own. And then we do see men out there who have a high-level expertise at their understanding of Scripture, and we invite them to teach. We've, by God's grace, been able to uh, interact with seminaries. And so Dr. Johnson this year is perhaps one of the foremost teachers in the nation. 
He's out at the Westminster Seminary in California, and he's come in to teach us about Christ in the Old Testament. We've been very blessed to have men of that caliber, I guess really for about seven or eight years, come and teach us. But we, we want them to come. They've spent their life tapping into the depth of Scripture, and we want to hear it. And we want, we want them to edify us. We've spent our life tapping into the depths of ministering to a lost souls. And so we, we want to hear from somebody that can teach us something. You know, I've often heard uh, um, public studies that show death and public speaking are the two things most people fear, and certainly public speaking has to do with evangelism, Bill. Why do you think it is that so many Christians are afraid to share the gospel of eternal hope? You know, we were talking about that this morning, Mike. It's a phenomenal question, but I, I think spiritually speaking it comes down to fear of man. The effect of sin, the fancy word is from martiology, the effect of sin on us is that we are we're not only dead in sin and we're unable to really get up and work against it but also that the glory of man is a is paralyzing to us and that when you begin to open your mouth or do something for the lord that is directly christ-centered it's the fear of man that's just kind of keeping your mouth shut it's a very powerful force and that is the number one reason i was talking to my wife this morning if you've ever heard i think it was penn or teller one of those guys mm-hmm who said that uh, if the gospel's really true, you know, why don't I hear about it all the time? And a friend of mine, uh, his boss said the same thing. He said, Terry, if this is true, I would quit my job today and go tell everybody. So you have people that have that depth of understanding. Why is the church silent? The power of sin. And so the point of me saying that is that once you see why you can't do it, and it removes all other excuses, and the only option is to go do it and just almost force yourself, force the old man to go do what he doesn't want to do. And once you do it a while, then it becomes natural and the glory of man doesn't bother you. But that's the number one reason right there. Do you think, uh, Bill, another problem might be that we just don't know the Bible as well as we want to and are afraid that someone might respond with a question we might not be able to answer? Great question, Dave. Well, well yes, that's true. We, 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 have, we are, let's just say we're legitimately born again and say, but we have not really applied our understanding of Scripture into an applicational sense. And so all of a sudden we are confronted with the reality, you know, I don't know what I'm I don't really know what I believe. Now you know what you believe, but you haven't really thought it through in a way to communicate it in a uh in an effective way, shall we say. So yeah, you're exactly right. So it gets to be a challenging and what you so yeah, absolutely people have to really come to grips with uh you don't you really don't know the depth of scripture. You might know scriptures, and you might know good preaching, but the depth of it, the implication of it, uh, people really don't know that. And the, and so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mess. Um, yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, we have to just be led by the Spirit, be, be equipped in prayer. And, and sometimes it's okay to say, I don't have an exact answer. Well, Bill, the Super Bowl is the most watched sporting event around the world every year. Are there other sporting events that your organization is involved in? Uh, yes, sir. We do about 14, 15, 16 events a year. And what we typically, when we organize an event, Mike, we do like the industry event for that league. So for football, the Super Bowl, college basketball, Final Four, NBA, Major League Baseball, their all-star weekends. Uh, we do World Cup on cricket and rugby and, and uh, soccer and the Olympics and uh, college football, stuff like that. We're now doing the college football championship. And so that's what, we, that's what we focus on. And then we also encourage people to go, like when it comes to football especially, because um, you guys know there's, there's not that many games like at Green Bay. 
And then, uh, but the crowds are huge. Like Keith Putzel and his team, the fishermen's call those guys go out. So those guys are going out every week. And then from that group of people, guys come to the Super Bowl. But that's that's a way to get introduced to sports ministry. And so uh, that's kind of the strategy: come out with the a man like Keith and preach a little bit, get used to it, come to the Super Bowl, and then maybe you will go to your own local college or pro game and evangelize, or your local baseball park, like in the Minnesota Twins or something like that, and evangelize on your own and start taking your buddies. So that's how we hope to have sort of a ripple effect from what we do. I see you guys have a Facebook page, and uh, also, of course, your your website, which is SFOI, Sports Fans Outreach International. Uh, is there any material for people that, that might want to learn a little bit about how to, to get prepared to do this, even if they might have the desire already, Bill? Yeah, you know, the best thing, Dave, is to contact us. And what would happen in that contacting us is uh, we could talk a little bit about where they're at and what they need to learn or what they want to learn. And then what I would do is introduce them to someone like Heath, who, if, he, if they're in Heath's area, or, uh, you know, my friend Michael Coughlin in Columbus, Ohio, or friends of mine in Detroit, Michigan, stuff like that. So uh, uh, that's the best thing to start at the contact it versus trying to come to the website, figure it all out, and then show up. So uh, you can uh, – can I give my work number out? Is that okay? Absolutely. So our, our main work number, this is on the website, which is sfoi.org, is 866-646-5683, And the main email is info at sfoi.org. Excellent. Bill, just curious, uh, you do sporting, uh, professional sporting events, college, football, baseball, basketball. You even mentioned soccer, which some of us question if it's really a sport, but that's just me. Uh, just joking, folks. Is there a particular venue that seems more accepting or more challenging than the others? Uh, you know, you guys have got great questions. Uh, I know, you know, in the Western world, and I've happened to have been in the Western world, so you've got the U.K., North America, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, the people are the same. It's kind of an interesting uh, social phenomenon because the the political, the cultural issues are the same. Uh, people are the same, by and large, and so you run into the same kind of people. And then sports has its own common thread of a cultural uh, discussions and so forth. So really no particular sport is more advantageous for us. There are some places uh, in the South, you know, uh, like at Alabama or Tennessee, uh, Georgia a little bit on a day game where people are very friendly. They're very respectful of the gospel. But uh, by and large, it's all the same, which makes it easy to go from place to place and, and do evangelism because you know what you're going to get into, uh, basically. And so we that's one reason we encourage people to go to the games because we having some expertise at it, can say, here's probably what you're going to run up against and can accurately explain it. Final question for you, Bill. Um, uh, I'm looking at your website here. You are a, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, correct? Yes, sir. And one of the things you've got on your website, and I find it very intriguing, is sponsor an evangelist. Tell us about that before we say goodbye. Right, yeah, we want to encourage uh, people to participate with what, be partners in the gospel with us, as Paul says and that's going with us, praying for us, or giving. So what is giving is really helping someone go to an event with us for like the Super Bowl. So someone who doesn't want to go or can't go and so forth but wants to help gives so another brother that uh, can't afford it can go, and that all leads to people hearing the gospel, in this case in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that's exactly what that's for. And, you know, a lot of people come into our world and, 
this is not a world of fundraising and money and missions they're really used to. And so someone uh, sponsoring their trip is very helpful to them so they can go and uh, preach the gospel, get experience, come home and continue to do evangelistic work in their city. And all along the way, that one person that got sponsored, uh, all these just think about all these souls are hearing the gospel and being given the opportunity to repent and believe it. So that's the that's just the big fruitfulness of it. I think it's a tremendous opportunity. Oh, Bill, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. Maybe we can check uh, up with you in February after the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, and uh, uh, you can tell some wonderful stories about how the gospel was preached and perhaps received. Amen, Mike. Mike and Dave, thanks so much. You guys are great. Keep it up, and I look forward. You'll be in my prayers tonight for the vote. Oh, thank you. Down here, let me know, okay? Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. Bill Adams, Sports Fans Outreach International. When we come back, we're going to review the proposed appear non-discrimination law. Missed a recent show? Catch up anytime on our free app, q90fm.com slash app. Click on podcasts. Stand Up for the Truth will continue in a moment. This is Stand Up for the Truth. Call in your questions now at 1-800-979-9010 nationwide. Now back to Mike LeMay. We want to take some time this morning to look at this deep, uh, proposed appear legislation, uh, talk you through it a little bit, help you understand uh, the nuts and bolts of it. And by the way, Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Action will be joining us in our second segment tomorrow uh, to give some further clarification they, of course, have experienced this in Sun Prairie, Madison, and other communities. So I got a copy of this, uh, and it's very interesting. First and foremost, these things can be confusing. You know, we, we live in a time when government's growing and growing and growing, and it seems like there's a whole bunch of legalese in here, and you've, you've really got to slow down and read what's in here. Case in point is this. I had a couple of you, uh, one pastor, a couple of church leaders last Thursday and Friday call me and say, hey, Mike, you're wrong. There's a real strong religious exemption in here. There's not. You need to slow down and understand how these things are written. So I want to take a few minutes this morning. And Dave, would you start off? Uh, we're, we've taken this right from the De Pere City website and read through that first section that talks about the purpose uh, and then identifies gender and place of public accommodation. Sure. A vibrant, productive, and economically successful city is made possible by the talents, contributions, and well-being of its diverse residents. It is the police, I'm sorry, it is the policy of the city of De Pere that equal rights and equal opportunity within the context of the larger commercial and social fabric of the De Pere community are promoted. Provision for adequate safeguards against discrimination is a proper and necessary function of city government to protect the health, safety, and general welfare of all inhabitants of the city and all persons employed and living within the city. It is declared to be the public policy of this city to foster and enforce to the fullest extent of the law equal opportunity employment, housing and public accommodations without regard to actual or perceived age, color, family status, gender identity and or gender expression, marital status, national origin, ancestry, race, religion, military service or veteran status, person with disability, sex, sexual or sexual orientation, source of lawful income or victims of domestic violence, sexual assault or stalking. Gender identity and or gender expression means a person's gender-related self-identity, appearance, 
expression, or behavior, regardless of the person's assigned sex at birth. Place of public accommodation shall mean all establishments within the city of De Pere, which offers goods, services, accommodations, and entertainment to the public. A place of public accommodation does not include any institution or club, which by its nature is distinctly private. Now, I want to stop there for a minute, and, and here's where you have to understand case law and, and how the United States judicial system looks at this. You notice here it says it does not include any institution or club which by its nature is distinctly private. Churches have been ruled to be not private institutions. They are public institutions of worship. They are considered a public, not a private institution. So there's warning flag number one. Now, there the religious exemption we're going to get into in a little bit, but I want you to listen closely to Section D, Discrimination in Employment Prohibited. With regard to employment, it shall be unlawful for any employers or labor organizations to engage in any of the following acts wholly or partially for a discriminatory reason, to discriminate against any individual with respect to failure to hire, refuse to hire, discharge, compensate, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment, including promotion. That is very succinct and very strong language. So in other words, for any of those things that the city of De Pere calls discriminatory, you cannot impose any of this against homosexuals, transgenders, whomever. Now, Here's the religious exemption in this thing. Now, those of you who've said, oh, we've got this really strong religious exemption in this thing, I want you to listen very carefully in this. Here is the exception in paragraph F. Nothing in this chapter, which is the bill, shall prohibit a religious organization, association, or society, or any nonprofit institution or organization operated or controlled in conjunction with a religious organization Here's the key. From limiting the sale, rental, or occupancy of dwellings which it owns or operates for other than a commercial purpose to persons of the same religion. So the religious exemption in this, as it is currently written and currently proposed to be voted on, will only protect a church or a Christian ministry or a Muslim mosque or Muslim ministry, if you will, from it is saying you don't have to rent out your facility a private facility, again, to someone who disagrees with your deeply held religious beliefs. There's no exemption for employment, and there's no exemption for services provided. So in other words, church, what services do you provide to the community? Could one argue, Dave, that providing a facility for marriage is a public service? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely it could. Again, understand churches are not considered to be private institutions according to case law. You are a public house of worship. So this is going to affect you, and the only exemption you have in this currently is if you own or operate a business, you do not have to sell, rent, or allow occupancy to a dwelling you own of someone who opposes your deeply held religious beliefs. So there's the extent of the religious exemption, but nothing about employment, nothing about services provided. I want to give you a real live example, as I've talked to Alliance Defending Freedom, of how this would affect Christian radio in our community. 
the LGBTQ organization walks in one day and says, we have an event we want you to promote. Legally, we have to do it. Will we? To be continued. But legally, according to this statute. If it passes. If it passes. We would be bound by this statute to promote not just that, but but Muslim organizations, uh, Jewish organizations, atheist organizations. The occult. The occult pro-abortion organizations. I would no longer be able to to strictly, we would no longer be able to strictly promote a pro-life agenda and a pro-marriage as God defines an agenda because, again, it would be considered discriminatory. How would that change what we would say or not say on this program? We are going to continue to stand on the truth of God's word. End of statement. That is the belief of our board. That is the statement of our board. Would that go against this it very well policy. could. Okay. It very well could. But uh, you know what? So be it. Um, so anyway, you know, again, a lot of you out there are saying, well, we've heard there's a ex- religious exemption clause. It is extremely limited and only applies to any facility you decide to sell or rent out. So it's, that's a housing exemption, right? Yes. Uh, and um, the employment as far as, um, you know, other areas, what, there have to be exemptions for them, right, for businesses? or Well, no, none for businesses. None. Now, here, here it says here, a private club not, in fact, open to the public. That's key. Are churches open to the public? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But a private club not open to the public um, is allowed to only provide lodging for people who do not um, conflict with their deeply held beliefs. So, um, but again, most of your private clubs, if you will, you know, they, they don't care if you're black, white, yellow, red, Christian, Jewish, atheist, whatever. But so again, folks, don't be misled by organizations and what you're reading in the Press Gazette and other areas. There is a very limited, uh, uh, a weak religious exemption only as it comes to housing. Now, a couple things we, we really want you to consider and understand. And, and this is crucial, folks. Um, again, the only exception in this statute that currently proposed is in the area of housing. There is nothing under the employment or services provided that would allow a religious organization to legally discriminate against people who oppose their views. Secondly, laws tend to expand over time, and this is so important to understand. All of this transgender business started with Title IX more than 40 years ago. And that simply said this, that no uh, public education system that took federal money could not spend the same amount on women's uh, sports activities as men. So if you got federal dollars for high school, college, uh, sport, uh, your sporting events would have to be your sporting teams, if you will. You had to spend the equal amount on women's athletics mm-hmm. as you did men. And look at where this thing has grown to. Wow. So these things expand over time, and all it's going to take is someone to make an argument in front of a very liberal judge, and they're all over the place. And that liberal judge is going to look and go, just like they do with the Constitution, hmm, well, I think they meant this, uh-huh. and I think they meant this, and I think they meant this. And you start building a case law, and you run into some real problems. It's also important to recognize how these things come up in what some would consider a small town. Of course, we're a town that hosts a, a progressive-leaning university. Um, so we are a small town, though. And the answer is one person got elected 
that he appears to be, if, if he's in his late 20s, I'd be surprised. He looks pretty young. He's got a wife. Um, and I'm thinking, if one person can get elected and propose this legislation to have this thing that's going to affect the entire city and then maybe repercussions down the road with other cities and possibly the state, that is a reason for people to get involved in this and know who's being elected, know who's running, know what they stand for. Because this is, um, from my understanding, just one person proposed mm-hmm. it. Proposed he right. proposed it, and it was preliminarily approved by the Health and Welfare Department. So it's, it's, re, it's crossed its first hurdle. Now, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, they're going to have a public hearing on it. I don't know if the vote will take place tomorrow night or not. We don't know that yet. Okay, the Health and Welfare Department, is. I'm assuming every city has? Yeah, it's kind of like, like a preliminary. They, these, these organiz- they have committees that look at things, and they go, yeah, we think this is good. And then it gets passed on to the whole common council for a vote. The city council. Right. Okay, so are the uh, the city council is elected by the people. Yes. What about the, the Health and Welfare Department? No. Are they what? appointed, appointed. by... The people that are elected, right? Yes. Uh, very interesting. Uh, indeed. So the other, uh, several of you uh, wrote to me and, and said, will this affect schools? Absolutely. Public and private schools within the city of De Pere. This covers anyone who has a business in De Pere or does business in De Pere. And I've got to tell you, I looked at some of the signees of this thing, and there are some local businesses in our community. One of them, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a man who professes to be a born-again believer, and he has signed on to this. And I tell you what, I told my wife, I'm not a big boycott guy. I ain't going to do business with these businesses anymore. I mean, just to, to you know, we, we all want to f- feel welcoming and loving, and we should love other people, no doubt. But to sign on to something like this, these people have no idea what they're inviting. Lawsuits, problems. Let's look at Target. First corporation to jump on board. They are facing several lawsuits right now for men who claim to be transgenders going into women's dressing rooms yes. and filming underage girls while they're dressing. They also have a sexual assault on their hands of a man who went in claiming he was transgender and he sexually assaulted a young lady. And and these, you know, I hope they are successfully sued into bankruptcy. And by the way, these stories are all across the country, not just at Target. Right. And one of them, even I think a couple of weeks ago, ha- happened in Appleton at mm-hmm. the Fox River Mall. Yes. A guy was recording you know, women in the Target uh, dressing room. So th- you, these transgender issues have, the decisions that are made have consequences, major consequences. And it's not just local. It's not. At the very least, someone was asking me over the weekend, what do you hope to accomplish on Tuesday if you get a chance to speak? At the very least, I want the City Council of Deep here to slow down. Jack Phillips' case is before the Supreme Court of the United States, the cake baker from Colorado. Uh, they are anticipating weighing in sometime in February, and that's going to bring a lot of clarity to the legality of these issues. So we're going to appeal to the Pierce City Council to at least slow down not enforce something that, that goes into law and then has to be repealed uh, at the cost of a lot of money to yeah. taxpayers, a lot of confusion to business owners, and, and just a lot of chaos. Can we just slow down, let the Supreme Court of the United States weigh in? You will then have a guideline by which to put this uh, uh, whatever you want to put into place. What, would, what could be one of their arguments to what you just proposed? That let the Supreme Court decide this before we, you know, move forward with this policy or with this bill. 
I can't think of a rational argument, Dave. I mean, well, seriously, I can't. You, you use the word rational. It, 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 <laughs> Some it would people. Be, it would be one thing <laughs> if there wasn't a case pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, which is the ultimate secular authority in our nation. If there was no case pending, I could see where maybe a city council wanted to feel good about itself and do these things. But we're talking about four months here, basically, before the Supreme Court weighs in. So I can't think of a rational reason to spend taxpayer dollars, set your business community into chaos, send your religious community into chaos, and then have to have this bill overturned in four months if the Supreme Court rules against it. So I, if there's a rational reason out there, I'd love to know it. Um, but, you know, these things, Dave, as you know, you've studied them. These are emotion-driven, and, you know, people want to do things that make them feel good. But, you know, this this could do irreparable damage to the Christian community in De Pere, to the business community in De Pere. And, uh, again, can we just slow down a little bit and wait and see how the Supreme Court weighs in? And, by the way, um, over, I think, Friday, we just posted a, a brand-new um, blog that I wrote called Rolling Out the Tea, and it's not tolerance. And the point I simply make is the LGBTQ has been around for decades, and it's not something that's brand new and in recent years has been making progress, affecting laws to be changed and policies to be implemented. The first, quote, sex change was back in 1952, a man that changed his name to Christine Jorgensen. And when we say sex change, of course, we put those words in quotes uh, because we not only believe Scripture, which is enough, we also believe science and biology when it comes to how males and females are wired. But if you look back, it, this is not a new thing, and the LGBT, the transgender, is now the thing that, that uh, seems to be driving uh, culture. And if, and if policies like this get implemented, if this debate goes the way that we would prefer it not go, like you said, well, like we talked earlier, it's going to affect not just a handful of people and not just a few businesses – the whole, I mean, churches, of course, schools, uh, public and private. So this will have repercussions, but we have to just remember this is not a new thing, and there's nothing new under the sun. We need to realize that this has been, and I also want to emphasize that it's not all people that are in the LGBTQ. There's mm-hmm. a minority, I would say, that are activists, but they are, some of them are very hateful. They are activists. They are rebelling against God. They hate Christians. I again, they are they are the minority. Some of them just want to live and have whatever lifestyle they want and be left alone. But those that are driving this have the ear of the media, and they have Hollywood's backing and many in our government. A couple of you commented on our Facebook. Uh, some guy by the name of Chris who actually has a skull and looks like almost a death or demonic thing is a signal says i actually agree with the city to appear and those who vote against it are bigots seriously chris think about yeah, think about what you're saying so hmm. what is a bigot someone who basically imposes their beliefs on someone else what are you doing chris <laughs> you are imposing upon us as christian business owners something we oppose uh kelly came in and said will this affect schools she said i ask because we are not technically to peer residents but we do pay taxes to the peer school system. It absolutely, because that is a public uh, place, will affect schools. And um, Jess said this, uh, these are hard leftists. There's nothing liberal about them. Whatever became of the liberals' favorite religious hobby horse called separation of church and state? Bingo. Interesting. You're the ones that want separation of church and state. You're the one now taking state and imposing it 
on religion. Another so, contradiction, Mike. Another one. Another contradiction that? on the left. But let, let me also point out one more thing. Uh, does does anyone else see this glaring contradiction that the the LGBTQ may have run smack into that activists insist people are born gay. You're born homosexual. Lady Gaga made an anthem out of the born that way. I think it's 2011 she came out with a song. If it's the case that they're born that way, they're born homosexual, then why can't we declare that a person is either born male or female? But we're, we're supposed to believe that gender is fluid and ever-changing and can change as Harvard University and other schools, universities, p- to protect students. They're saying, well, gender can change from one day to the next now, so don't just discriminate on someone that feels different from one day to the next. So we are supposed to say gender is changing and fluid, but yet homosexuals are born that way. There's yeah. no that's it, that's set in stone, so to speak. So that within the their own movement seems to be a glaring contradiction. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Last comment on this before we go to break. We want to cover the Texas church uh, shooting. I talked about how laws tend to expand in New York and in California right now. <clears throat> if you have an employee who's quote unquote transgender. He walks in on Monday and he says, my name is Jim. And on Tuesday, he is fluid and his name is Catherine. And you call him Jim on Tuesday. You're subject to fine. You are subject to fine for not publicly acknowledging whatever gender that person feels they are that day. And they can go back and forth back and, and there's forth. no ruling. They can switch right. from hour to hour. I, this this is absolute insanity. This is absolute un, uh, unbiblical. Uh, we'll keep you up to speed. Again, Julian Appling will be with us tomorrow, and uh, many of us will be attending the DePierre City Council meeting Tuesday. We just ask for your prayers, and at the very least, that the uh, City Council just slows down <laughs> and takes a and wait and see attitude with the Supreme Court. When we come back, the tragic murder of 26 Christians at church in Texas. If you want to contact us about any of the topics discussed today, email your questions to comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Stand Up For The Truth will continue in a moment. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Another very tragic shirt, uh, church shooting, this one out of Texas. Yesterday. Um, yeah, 26 people confirmed dead, uh, several injured. And, um, you know, the, what we know very little about the shooter. Other than that, he was a young white male. Uh, he was dishonorably discharged from the United States Air Force uh, after it was found that he was beating his wife. So this is obviously a, a very, very disturbed individual. Uh, we know little more about him other than that he's young. He's white. He was dishonorably discharged from the service. Uh, he went in with, an, uh, with a semi-automatic rifle, I believe, and shot up and killed 26 people. Um, uh, I'll tell you, Dave, we had one in, what, South Carolina recently. We had another one in Texas recently. We had, of course, the uh, the mass murder in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look at Romans 1 where Paul says, because men rejected the truth of who God is, he, he God turned them over to a reprobate mind to do unthinkable things. And, um, boy, I tell you, it's just the level of mental illness. And, and let me be clear about this. Whether you are black, white, yellow, brown, Muslim, Jew, Christian, atheist, you are mentally sick to walk into a place and, and, and just at random kill 26 people. Um, just a sign of the, the growing evil in our world. There's one report, and I've been having internet issues all morning, so I can't confirm this, but there was one report that said he had affiliation with Antifa. 
Okay, I haven't and, heard that. Uh, and there's some, uh, I guess some one member of the church actually tweeted some things out afterwards about what happened. The guy came in. But uh, th- the fact that you can go into any place, like you said, and just have no regard for life, we know America has already bought into the culture of death regarding life in the womb and just aborting babies and millions and millions in America. We seem to forget that that may have repercussions down the road in our worldview and our attitudes toward life. We already see, even in the Christian church, I don't remember if it was Barner or someone did research, that there, there are more people that are uh, saying euthanasia is, mm-hmm. is now acceptable morally because it seems like a merciful or compassionate thing to do. So we're okay with killing babies in the womb. We're okay. A majority of, I think it was like 67% of Americans believe it's okay to have a doc, doctor, physician assisted suicide. So these are things that help devalue human life and take a human life into man's hand and take it out of God's hand, yeah. which was what we do when we rip life out of the womb and when we decide end of life, you know, issues. So, I mean, the, the, the root, we've talked about this, the root cause, the heart of man is sick. It's evil. It is beyond cure without God, without Christ and his truth, without the salvation that God provides. The heart of man is unsave, unsalvageable. It, it absolutely is, Dave. So we know that when situations like this happen, it's so disheartening and disappointing, but we should not be shocked Although we're seeing the level, it seems like the level of evil and the frequency of it in cases like this seem to be increasing. This man somehow, uh, as a criminal, got a hold of a gun. CNN, of all of all uh, media, CNN <laughs> is reporting that this could have been a lot worse had not a neighbor who was legally carrying a firearm confront this guy. He confronted him, started chasing him. Chasing him down, uh, the guy is, uh, was involved in a car accident. They yelled at him to come out of the car with his hands up. Legal gun carrying citizens. When they got to the car, they found a bullet in this man's head. They're not sure yet. Uh, they believe it was a self-inflicted suicide, but they're not 100 percent sure. But CNN of all is recognizing that a, a legally gun carrying citizen prevented many more from being killed potentially that day. Uh, folks, just don't. Don't buy what you're going to hear from the media moving forward that this is about gun control. We have strict gun control laws in many states, and this man was able to get a gun. You can probably illegally get a firearm in less than 30 minutes if you really want to get it. Um, but uh, this, again, is really about the evil of man, uh, the destructive nature of man's sinful nature, and how anyone could go into a church or a mosque or a, um, a temple and do this. Just was it about five years ago here in Milwaukee? The Sikh community was rocked mm. by somebody going in and, and mass murdering a bunch of Sikhs. So um, I think it's just a hatred of religion as a whole, Dave. Yeah. And and as you said, as our, our young children have been raised in a culture of death with abortion and, and you know euthanasia being pushed as, as humane when it's anything but that, um, I, I guess while I'm still always saddened by these, in, in some ways I'm surprised we don't hear more of them. We also had the report that the pastor's daughter, 14-year-old daughter, was one of the victims, uh, which is sad. There was also an, an inf- or a two-year-old that was uh, one of the victims as well. But um, evidently, the, the neighbor was the one that, uh, and CNN, if this report is correct, then kudos to that courageous neighbor 
who grabbed his rifle and uh, went toward the church or went after this uh, killer. But apparently, uh, now this is on the Drudge Report, the killer preached atheism. He was uh, an Air Force reject. And, um, yeah, he, he had a lot of mental issues, it sounds yeah. like. No um, we'll, we'll learn more in the days ahead. But um, he was in full combat gear, dressed in black, um, and he opened fire during a church service. It's just it, it's just really amazing. And you can go to Drudge Report. They've got evidently he had some Facebook rants, if you even want to go and uh, see what he was saying leading up to this. So there's we'll, we'll know very shortly with some of the news outlets reporting on what he said, what his background and beliefs were. But um, very sad, Mike. It is sad, Dave, and it, it speaks uh, um, on a secular point to the difficult challenge of being a free people uh, where we have a given freedom of speech. Um, you know, if we had lived in a totalitarian system, basically when this guy started ranting on Facebook, he would have been thrown in jail. Uh, we, we balance freedom and safety in this nation every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what allows Muslim terrorists to fly into the World Trade Center, uh, what allows people like this d- demented individual to pick up a couple of handguns and walk in and start shooting people. Um, freedom comes with a price. And, and unfortunately, we, we have to, from a secular point, guard and make sure we are not willing to give up our freedoms for the sake of security. You know, take uh, consolation in this, brothers and sisters in Christ, that the Lord already knows how many days you're going to be here. He has numbered your days. There will be a day when he will call us home to him uh, individually or in the rapture of the church. So put our faith in God. Uh, trust him. Please be in prayer for the uh, survivors and family members yes. of this church in Texas. Yes. Um, our heart breaks for them. Um, what can you say? There's so much evil in the world these days. And the Bible warns us it's going to get worse and worse, David. And, Mike, another uh, report said the, the, the guy, the neighbor was a plumber. And he was a sharpshooter. He hit this guy through a gap in his body armor. Wow. So evidently his plumber had been on the shooting range practicing. Yeah. But um, so, I mean, I mean, it could have been worse. We don't know. There's another report, and I think we really have to take this one to heart because whenever it affects a church, those of us who attend church, you know, there but for the grace of God go we, or, or is our church. So we teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let us be about God's business. Um, but there's another report, just came out this morning, that Rand Paul was attacked yeah. while he was uh, mowing his lawn. He was attacked by a neighbor. He was assaulted, grabbed from behind, and he has five broken ribs, possible punctured lung. Is And, and is this not a hate Attack? Why would anyway? We'll uh, hear more about that. I'm sure. Well, you know, liberals but, are the first ones, the first ones to espouse nonviolence, and often they're the first ones to embrace violence. Like when you the disagree one, with them. like the gunman who shot at uh, Representative Scalise yeah. and those at the Republicans who were uh, practicing the whatever the baseball game, the batting practice. You know, this guy goes after Rand Paul, and just just amazing. It's things are. I think the media is. They continue to fan the flames, and I think it's irresponsible. And I know there's a fine line, apparently, between reporting the facts and the news and how often it is reported and the necessity of commentary on that because the whole gun debate comes up and it gets heated. But you're continually fanning the flames of this, and the violence seems to be increasing, and like I said earlier, the frequency of these attacks. 
And it's, it's times like this, Dave, before we go to break, that we, it, it's a difficult command in God's word, but we're called to love our enemies. Uh, they are, this man who did this horrendous thing in Texas mm-hmm. is not the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy is Satan. Uh, and Satan is having his way right now, as the Bible told us it would. He would be given power to wage war against the saints and often defeat them in these final days. Uh, we need to hold on to the truth the faith and the trust that Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, is returning one day to make all things right. In the meantime, we live in a chaotic, increasingly evil world, and yet we are called to rise above the hate, to love our neighbor, our friends, and our enemies, and and above all, to, to stand unashamedly for the truth of the gospel. So not an easy command in these days, but then again, the Lord himself never said life would be easy. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show and tell you about our guest tomorrow. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay with some final thoughts. Well, a little good news. You may have heard of the Genesis movie coming out. Kent Hovind joins us tomorrow to talk about that. Julian Appling will also check in as we take a further look at at this DePere non-discrimination proposal out there. Uh, Jeff reminded us uh, during the break uh, of a couple things that God has to say about this stuff. First of all, death, where is thy sting? Jesus Christ conquered death for those who put their faith and trust in him. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he was in jail being beaten and tortured, said to live is Christ, to die is gain. So while we grieve for the family members who are wondering why their loved ones were killed while they were in church worshiping God, we do rejoice uh, with sadness of heart over those who have been called home by the Lord their God this day and have entered eternal rest with him. So we've got to keep these things in perspective and uh, um, just remember to anchor ourselves on God's promises. Death does not exist for the born-again believer. We are reborn here on earth, and then we go into the glory of God in his presence because of our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So we grieve for the survivors. We grieve for the family members. Uh, we hold them up in prayer but we keep our, our eyes on the big picture of what Christ accomplished on the cross. So uh, be in prayer for our nation. Be in prayer for the, uh, mem- uh, the, the victims of this tragedy. And we ask you to be in prayer that the uh, De Pere City Council actually takes a wise step back tomorrow night. For David Fiorazzo, Mike LeMay, standing up for the truth. Be bold, strong, and unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you. <laughs> 